Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. It was a performance from a different world. Max Verstappen was five and a half tenths quicker than the next person on the road. In a wet to dry qualifying today, he enthralled the home fans with an amazing lap to get pole position on the grid, followed home by the McLaren of Lando Norris, Mercedes of George Russell and the Williams of Alex Albon. There are so many talking points up and down the grid. We're going to talk about how this is going to affect Sunday afternoon's Grand Prix in a second. I'm joined by Jake Boxall-Leg on the podcast today. Jake, first of all, though, we left our listeners last night saying Daniel Ricciardo was heading to hospital. We didn't know the outcome. We were waiting to get an update from the, the PR people from within the team. Well, the news came out much later that, yeah, he's broken a bone, I think a single bone from Christian Horner's description, but it's it's ruled him out, and Danny Ricciardo won't be taking part in this weekend. What happened after we left our listeners last night, and who's in the AlphaTauri seat? Yeah, well, just to, just to recap, um, obviously there was a bit of a crunch when he hit the wall. He broke his metacarpal, basically. From that point onwards, um, it, it was very, very clear that he wasn't going to be able to race who did Red Bull have at the circuit? They had two reserve drivers and one of them is very, very familiar to us uh, in Nick <laughs> DeVries. But Dr. Helmut Marco allegedly didn't even consider putting him in the car. It was always, it was going to be Liam Lawson um, as the nominated reserve for this race. And so he makes his Formula One debut, uh, the 10th New Zealander to drive in Formula One. The last new, uh, most recent New Zealander, sorry, since Brendan Hartley drove for the same team back in 2018. And it, it was great to see him get his chance. It was a bit of a baptism of fire in very, very difficult conditions, as you outlined at the top of the show. But I don't think he embarrassed himself at all. Difficult circumstances to come into. Obviously, we will uh, wish Daniel Ricciardo the best and hope that he's back on the grid relatively soon. Monza will probably be too early. Singapore will be doubtful as well, um, given the, the the demand of that circuit. So, um you know, if we see him back in Japan, I think that'll be a, a decent recovery time. I've just been to Google to see what it auto-completed. I typed, who is Liam? And alongside, who is Liam Payne? Who is Liam Hemsworth? Who is Liam Gallagher married to? The top result is, who is Liam Lawson? JBL, who is Liam Lawson? A New Zealand racing driver. Uh, he's driven in Formula 3. He's driven in Formula 2. He finished third in last year's championship, ahead of Logan Sargent, who races for Williams. And he's been part of the Red Bull family for quite a while now. Uh, he's currently racing in Super Formula. I believe he's second in the championship at the moment. Uh, kind of similar career trajectory almost to, to Pierre Gasly a few years ago. So to, to I guess people who watch the junior categories, he's a well-known name to those who kind of just stick to Formula One. That's what he's been up to over the last few years. So he's got the pedigree, he's got the super license points, and he's got the skill being touted as one of the names in that AlphaTauri for next season if they don't stick with Ricardo and they don't stick with Sonoda. So um, this is his this is his chance. This is the chance to put himself in the shop window for next season. So far, it's going okay. So between 
free practice three and qualifying, there was a Formula 2 sprint race, which ended prematurely in the wet weather conditions. The drivers received no points. The race wasn't a race. Uh, The laps ran for four of them behind the safety car after a first lap uh, collision. uh, And the whole thing was called off. We did get Formula 1 qualifying, though. Intermediates to begin with, then onto the dry tyres. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we have this kind of otherworldly time difference between positions one and two. Max Verstappen, five and a half tenths ahead of Lando Norris. My first question is a lot to get into with this uh, with this result. My first question is, was that on a different level from Max Verstappen, which is very possible? I'm th- I think he's a robot now. Or, as Lando Norris seemed to suggest, because he was quicker than Max in the first sector of that lap, Lando said something along the lines of, it was the worst second half of a lap that I've driven all year. Did Lando let himself down and flatter Max? What do you think? Norris was never going to get pole. I think it's probably not too much of a stretch to say that there wasn't a kind of possibility to do that. The McLaren just isn't, at this moment in time anyway, going to be able to compete with Red Bull on that front. But as you mentioned, Norris wasn't very, very happy with the second half of his lap. He was up in the first sector. Verstappen admitted that he perhaps didn't get the first corner right. And, and to that end, Norris was up on him um, until about, I think, turn seven. And that's when the Delta switched, if you look at the GPS data. Over the uh, over that sort of time period going through turn seven and turn eight, they're sort of very, very fast corners. They're quite sweeping corners and you really need that kind of downforce. Something that the McLaren certainly has, but when you're slightly you know, you're requiring a lot from the underbody. The Rebels got a lot more strength in that area. The other part of that as well, uh, Norris suggesting that he wasn't happy with his lap. Uh, and that's partly because when he was coming out of turn 10, he got a little bit eager on the on the upshifts. And so if you look at the GPS data there, you can see two very, very quickly consecutive upshifts. And so you lose a little bit of pulling power from the engine. So he reckons that cost himself about, three tenths so if we're looking at that without any mistakes Verstappen's maybe two tenths ahead which I think is probably a gap we expect you know Verstappen got everything right and Norris didn't but had Norris got everything right he and team principal Andrea Stella have said this as well it just wasn't going to be a situation where Norris was was going to get pole today Um, I think it was kind of written that Verstappen would do this again in front of his home fans. It's just a circuit that he's very, very strong at uh, and it complements the Red Bull strengths as well. So um, I wouldn't say it was another worldly performance. It's just another display of Max Verstappen being incredibly strong in qualifying. Max Verstappen lines up ahead of Lando Norris, then George Russell, Alex Albon, Fernando Alonso in fifth, Carlos Sainz in the first of the Ferraris in sixth, and then Sergio Perez in the second Red Bull. Oscar Piastri, who at times, it was a 1-2 for McLaren at times in Q3 today, but he did tumble down. Then Charles Leclerc, who unfortunately understeered off uh, in the final part of qualifying and couldn't put in his best lap. And Logan Sargent, yes, Logan Sargent in the Williams uh, in 10th place, but again, unfortunately, had a big incident in Q3, but he still got through to the final part of qualifying. JBL, what do you think this says about the Grand Prix tomorrow, that lineup, perhaps the first couple of rows? Do you think that if Lando gets a half-decent start at this circuit with the package that McLaren's got, he'll fancy being competitive? I think it's finally poised. I think everybody's kind of expecting the next full rise of Max Verstappen and and pushing through as he usually does to, to win by many, many seconds. 
But it, it, it's true that it's also very, very difficult to overtake at Zandvoort. If you've got the advantage like Verstappen does with regards to machinery, then it's very, very possible that even if he did fall behind, he could make his way up again. Um, Norris admitted as much that he was already looking kind of uh, defending his position rather than trying to challenge Max. He said, I could maybe challenge Max for the first two laps, but beyond that, I think he'll just sort of pull away. I think it would be a little bit difficult to imagine that we're going to see another winner unless Verstappen makes a mistake, unless we get inclement weather tomorrow, um, something like that. But it's going to be very, very interesting because uh, we've got a McLaren and Norris there at the front. We've got George Russell and the Mercedes at the front. Can Alex Albon defend for all his worth like he did in Canada again? Um, We'll have to wait and see on that. The sensibilities of the Williams are different here. He's not thinking that it's going to be quite the same race. Behind Verstappen, certainly tomorrow, it's going to be very, very interesting. And everybody's going to be fighting for the other two podium positions. And I love that lineup. They're all good friends. You've got the 27-year-old Alex Albon, Max and George are 25. I think Lando's, I think he's 23 or 24. And in a season so far, we've raved a lot about the amazing performances, the longevity, the supreme fitness of the likes of Alonso and Hamilton, how they've managed to keep their career going for so long. It sort of feels, you know, in a way, a nice change of subject to look at that top four and think, well, this is, you know, a, a hopefully a, a breed of Formula One driver that we'll be talking about for a very long time. And some fantastic names further down the field as well. Can we just uh, dig a little bit into, help me understand, Williams? So I was under the understanding, I was told, I've listened to James Valls, I think I get it. It's quite circuit-specific. They were quick at Silverstone, the package suited it. And then we were told, hey, I mean, you know, look at the rest of the season, Monza, they've got to really fancy the chance of scoring points. They turn up here, which is not a straight-line circuit, and they look quick in the wet, they look quick in the dry, they look quick in practice, when I thought, maybe they're doing turn it up a little bit more, run a little bit less fuel. They don't need to do glory runs. And then they didn't need to, by the looks of it. That pace is... Pretty competitive and half decent. Alex Albon was talking about how the wind. Can you just help me understand a little bit about why this Williams is so quick here? Well, it is quite literally down to which way the wind blows. Surprise Williams to a certain degree. Russell was saying that Albon was not particularly complimentary of his chances, let's say, going into the weekend. And so uh, I think it's taken the team a little bit by surprise. And it's something that they've said, you know, just as we try and look at why we've underperformed at weekends we need to look at why we've performed this weekend because everything's been going very well race pace has been particularly strong perhaps behind the the front four or five teams but certainly in in with a shout of points so for Albon to get P4 you know he could it could have been third had he just found a, a little bit more in the middle sector it was, it was very very possible uh, and Logan Sargent as well you know this is his first Q3 outing it was very very strong unfortunately he did put it in the wall and he, he did say after qualifying that it was literally just a millimetre mistake and it was a case of putting the tyre on a slightly wet patch this was at the point where they'd all transitioned to slicks for the start of Q3 and so he'd put his first lap in and then just as he was coming around to kind of maybe go for another or go for a sort of prep lap and then go for another um you just put it in the wall so he, he was a bit disappointed but he said it was bittersweet because the performance had been so strong and that he felt that he was finally putting things together 
Obviously, he is under a lot of pressure with regards to retaining his seat for next year. Generally, if he can just stamp out those mistakes and those little errors, um, he'll be in a really good place because uh, he definitely was up there with Albon over the weekend and Williams has been very, very strong. Really hope they can race strong in the Grand Prix on Sunday afternoon and that they can fight for some really decent points. The Mercedes of George Russell third, teammate Lewis Hamilton down in 13th. He was impeded and Yuki Tsunoda has had a three-place grid drop from 14th to 17th because of that but Lewis says honestly it wouldn't matter it just wasn't quick enough here today so any of that overnight setup work just didn't really pay off from Friday into Saturday difficult conditions though in the Aston Martin Fernando Alonso fifth uh, he'll certainly fancy a strong Grand Prix from there and teammate Lance Stroll in 11th the two Ferraris Carlos Sainz finished sixth uh, Charles Leclerc's in the barriers uh, just understeered off. It's one of those painful ones where as soon as he was on the grass, it, it's wet. There's absolutely nothing you can do. Big damage to uh, the left-hand side of the car there. And the Alpines uh, didn't do too well today either in 12th and 16th for Gasly and Ocon respectively. Any thoughts from yourself on any particular teams or drivers that I've just mentioned there? Any standouts that I've not mentioned yet? Well, I think obviously, as you mentioned, Hamilton was kind of the biggest scalp in Q2. He just said that he was really slow. And having sort of had a chat with a few uh, Mercedes people uh, over Friday, they felt that their (coughs) gains between FP1 and FP2 weren't as big relative to some of the other teams. And so they'd lost out a little bit uh, in comparison to the Mercedes and um, perhaps the Aston Martins as well in that battle. Um, so they did have a little bit of work to do overnight and obviously Russell sort of uh, reaped the rewards of that but for Hamilton it just wasn't you know really working out and he was a little bit bemused as to why um, but yeah they, they, with regards to race pace um, Hamilton again he wasn't particularly hopeful uh, but um, race pace should be up there with uh, I think the McLarens I think actually looking at it as a whole in terms of um, the times over the runs that the Mercedes was generally quicker than the McLarens over the course of the race distances that they ran in FP2 so it, it'll be a very very finely poised battle between between Russell and uh, Norris as a result and Hamilton will have to hope that that good race pace gets him back up the order as well because um um, it, yeah, it's been a very, very difficult qualifying and um, he, he's shown capacity to overtake around this Sandvort circuit before making the most of the DRS coming out of the, the bank to turn 14. And, and you can make the moves. You certainly can to turn one. Um, there's a number of lines going through that corner as well. So I think for a lot of drivers, certainly they'll be able to, to make a little bit of an impact. But I think generally the three teams at the back are starting to sort of fall into their own kind of group. I think Williams has kind of left that group behind. We now have that group of Haas, of Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo, you know, trying to fight over not being last in the the Constructors' Championship. So we're starting to see that pattern now. It's interesting to see, actually, everything was kind of close at that uh, the back. You kind of had five teams at the front and five teams at the back. And now you're seeing one by one teams break out of that bottom group. And you kind of wonder which one's going to be next. Obviously, Williams has kind of broken out of it. Um, McLaren was in that group at the start of the year, and now they've kind of broken out of it. It doesn't necessarily look like um, we're going to get too much more updates from too many more updates from those teams. 
but uh, Haas is still working on uh, its its tire temperature issues. Uh, Alfa Romeo's got work to do. Alfa Tauri's been throwing a lot at its car. So, <laughs> and if you're you know you have vested interest in any of those teams, it's certainly going to be a very sort of intense battle. Certainly more intense than the one that you're going to get for the win. And I, I was impressed with Liam Lawson today. It's why he is there after all. But I just think an amazing achievement to get in on intermediates and be 1.1, I think, off Bottas ahead of him, an incredibly experienced, top-class Formula One driver, not in a great car at the minute, but to be that close to Bottas is you know is amazing. Talking of time differences, Sergio Perez wasn't 1.1 seconds behind, he was 1.3 seconds behind his teammate Verstappen. And, you know, I've seen people on social media saying they turn his car down, they hobble him, Max is the favourite. I, I love these because they're entertaining conspiracy theories even though these people are all bonkers uh, because of course they're not doing that but you do have to wonder why is he 1.3 seconds behind now uh, you know over the summer break I thought have I been too hard on Perez this year no no I came to the conclusion no he needs to be finishing second every single weekend in that rocket ship but I then started to think but if Max is going to win everything and Red Bull are going to be champions and they can now work on next year's car, they've got a little bit in hand in case they need to develop that they won't this year. Is it a problem? I guess they can afford. It's only a problem how much you're paying Perez to finish 1.3 seconds off your other driver. Does Christian Horner commented on that massive time gap in the same car? Perez is a good Formula One driver, but he seems to struggle at times this year. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been very, very bizarre. Um, you don't expect to see that gap. You kind of, uh, I think, over the sort of general cut and thrust over the last few seasons, I think the delta between them is about 0.3 seconds, I would say. Um, I don't think there's been any kind of explicit reason for why Perez struggled so much in comparison to Verstappen. You just have to assume that he didn't get the tyres in the right window. It was very kind of uh, capricious in that kind of... Um, those still drying conditions, certainly. Um, and you've got to make the most of it and you've got to be the last guy on track. And, um, yeah, I think that's sort of like, that does kind of explain some of the delta. Obviously, he's not 1.3 seconds behind Verstappen. It's just, I think it's just partly timing, partly not making the most of opportunities. But that's what you've got to do as a number two driver. And if you're not going to, if you're going to be the support to Max Verstappen, um, yeah, as you say, you do have to be P2. And I think, if we assume that 0.3, 0.4 delta between Verstappen and Perez, then that puts him P2 on this grid. And and he's not there. And you kind of wonder if he's got the touch of the Giancarlo Fisichella about him. Um, <laughs> someone who's very, very competent with sort of midfield cars and someone who can make the most out of strategies and somebody who can put a car on a podium that has no right on being there. But when it comes to actually taking a top car to it, it seems like the weight of expectation kind of weighs them down a little bit. And you, you you do kind of wonder about his performance long-term. But I think also the way that Red Bull operates that second car, because we've been through a sort of ever since Daniel Ricciardo left the team, we've been through that kind of quick fire in and out of drivers. You know, Gasly was kicked to the curb pretty quickly. I, I would say Albon was sort of the same 0.3, 0.4 second deficit off. If you look at, uh, I, I, I did a analysis piece a couple of years ago about his times relative to Verstappen. He, he wasn't any further off than Perez was, but you know, they let him go you know, relatively quickly as well. The fact that three drivers, three very, very strong drivers have gone through the same kind of thing. You just kind of have to wonder, you know, what does Red Bull do with that second car 
I'm not saying that they they do anything uh, untoward with it. That's not my point. It's more the fact that the car is so intrinsically linked to Verstappen and his driving style. It's a bit like, you know, I think we've made this comparison before, um, the Honda MotoGP project and um, Mark Marquez <laughs> being the only person able to extract anything from that bike over the last few years. Uh, now it's in a situation <laughs> where even Mark can't do anything about it. But um, you, you've got to make the best car that you can. And um, whether that makes it really unuser friendly for other drivers, then you know, Red Bull is going to continue to put all of its eggs in, into one basket. You know, if you put Perez and Gasly and Perez and Albon together in that car, maybe they'd be pretty close <laughs> together, but you just, you yeah. don't really know. I mean, there's no doubt we'll be entertained on Sunday afternoon. He'll he'll fight his way back through. He is having some good races this year. Don't get me wrong. It'll be entertaining. It's good to watch, given that we think we know who's going to win tomorrow. He will provide us entertainment. He's like the opposite. He's like the anti-trulli. He's the opposite of the truly train. He qualifies really badly and then gives us a good Sunday rather than outperforming the machinery he's in. I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, Let me finish off by saying to you, how's the weather where you are and how's the weather looking? It's been terrible here. We're not a million miles apart uh, for Sunday afternoon. As we were walking to the circuit this morning, uh, it was about uh, nine o'clock that we left our Airbnb in Zandvoort. We got drenched. Very, very drenched, and it was a. It's about a twenty-five minute walk. The rain didn't let up. Also, I made the classic error of not bringing a coat, so it's kind of on me a little bit. <laughs> not to say there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing choices. Yeah, so bad, it's all on you. Bad preparation. <laughs> um, well, I think we are in line for some rain tomorrow. Um, but as you say, it has made the track incredibly green, and we've seen errors. At, t- at turn three in particular, um, there, w- there were errors in the wet at turn 13 as well. It's very, very difficult on that high line in turn three because there's a lot of debris up there. There's going to be a lot of dirt up there. It's, it's caught a lot of the drivers off guard and it may still do that tomorrow, even in the dry. People made mistakes there in the dry in, in, in FP2. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how the drivers deal with a very, very challenging circuit when the grip is not at an absolute premium. Quite interesting when they're having to put, if they're having to push to make a strategy work and they get it a little bit wrong, there's the propensity to do that. Um, I'm just hoping that on the walk to the track tomorrow, it lets up. It it can rain as much as it likes when we're in the media centre, but as long as our walk to the track and the walk from the track is dry, I will be a happy boy. (laughs) Okay, well, there we go. That's our look at how Saturday panned out uh, today at Zandvoort. Join us tomorrow night as we review uh, the Dutch Grand Prix. Keep fingers crossed for, yeah, hopefully a pretty straightforward race. Lots of storylines to watch out for all the way down uh, the grid. A little bit of rain might spice things up. I'm not sure we need the rain as the grid's a bit jumbled up, so we'll wait and see. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today, and we'll catch you on the next one. Podcast Network.